People pay money to see me in a 20 by 20 ring. Yeah, I'm ready. I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you what to wear. Hell no, I'm not better. But I am smarter. I'll bow to the masters. The masters over at Ray's. Ray's will hook you up with all kinds of discounted gift cards for your favorite places to eat, for your favorite places to shop online and in store. They have any place you could possibly think of, and they even have discounts on ride sharing services like Lyft and Uber in case you guys need to make it to a show. So hop on over and support the show. Support your 20x20 crew. Visit us for more information. Information on raise and discount gift cards over at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash raise. That's R-A-I-S-E 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash raise. And we got two words for you. Save money! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the 20 by 20 Ring Crew. I am your co-host, Joe. I am here and trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with Matt. What's up, Matt? What's going on? We're in the midst of the uh, July 22nd edition of Monday Night Raw, the Raw Reunion Show. We have that playing in the background, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm trying to wrap my head around what exactly is fucking going on. (laughs) Uh, first of all, I don't know why exactly they decided to do a Raw reunion show. Like, I don't know if this is a ratings ploy by itself or they have other intentions. But uh, it has just been all over the fucking place. The, the, it's, everything is so fucking random. I don't. I just. I don't get it. I. I don't... I don't... (laughs) I don't get it. It's just a lot of shenanigans. Uh, The the 24-7 championship, which is already a joke of a belt, as it is, has apparently been... uh, has changed hands eight times tonight. And we're not even through the second hour. To the point that the Wikipedia page, as I'm reading it, uh, is currently crashed. (laughs) <laughs> because of it. Uh, someone even put the current champion as John Moxley, which is not true. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but he might as well be. It might as well be the fucking fat guy in fucking row five over there in an orange <laughs> shirt. Um, it is, as we said, when the when the 24-7 championship was uh, was announced, which was actually announced by Mick Foley, who's currently in the ring as we, as we watch, uh, we said it, it, this is the Iron Man Heavy Metalweight Championship. This, this, is, this is all that it is. Um, a title that in 19 years, I want to say, has changed hands 1,380 times. 
which okay. is which is insane. Yeah, it's very insane. Insane fucking amount of time. Um, <laughs> it is a title that has changed hands uh, multiple times. Actually, a total of sixty times. So I think I got my number. Of, I was even it's even higher than what I originally told you. Yeah, yeah. Sixty times back in two thousand six via rock paper scissors. Um, wow, this is a real thing. Oh yeah, this, this yeah. is a real thing. So. Um, yeah, that's that's what the twenty four seven title is. It's it's a way to kind of give people who are uh, not relevant on TV give them some uh, a chance to be relevant, I guess. And, and that's not to say that they can't be on their own. I mean, we are talking about guys like our truth. Sure. You know, um, you and I have talked about it on this show before. One of the best NWA World Heavyweight Champions. Uh, the past decade. Yeah. So. Easily. Easily, yeah. Um, you know, you have, who was, who, who was a champion? Um, you know, Drake Maverick, who, if you go back by his Impact Wrestling days, has shown you what he can do inside that ring. He's actually a legit champion, or a legit uh, wrestler, but he's small. He's small, and then in WWE, he, that's, that's all he can be is a, 24-7 champion, I guess. Um, going back to small guys, out of all the shenanigans that has occurred tonight on this uh, reunion show, mm-hmm. <laughs> the worst thing that, that I have witnessed has nothing to do with anybody that's come back. Uh, it actually took place apparently the week prior and they talked about it extensively on this show, um, at least for one particular match. And that is involves Cedric Alexander and Drew McIntyre. And what I'm about to say is everything that is wrong with this company because you have, as I said before, you have the best roster they have ever had. Ever. Cedric Alexander is one of those fucking talents. And how do they build him? As a guy that needed a fucking miracle to be Drew McIntyre. Now, I, I respect Drew McIntyre as in-ring uh, wrestling. He's a, one of the best. Sure. Absolutely. But, in your opinion, is it far-fetched for Drew McIntyre... Sorry, excuse me. Is it far-fetched for Cedric Alexander to get a victory over Drew McIntyre? No, Not in my eyes. But, that's... <laughs> that's... <laughs> He's in, he's in the wrong company. <laughs> That's what it is. Any other company, it would be uh, either close to a main event or, or a main event match. And on on uh, in the WWE, it's um, you know it's far fetched. It's it's a shocker, as uh, Michael Cole kept saying. It was a shock shocking win. Yeah, that Cedric Up, Alexander upset. It, he upset it. I I I don't remember exactly, but I think the word embarrassment too, or embarrassed or something. Yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> Cedric Alexander is a world class wrestler, uh, one of the best in the world. I, if this was AEW, he's 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 a guy that that's can go you know toe to toe with Kenny Omega and give him a, a, you know potential yeah. match of the year. That's how good he is, and 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 this company. This is this is the, the, my point that I'm making. In this company, they take those talents, 
so nobody else can have them, and they make him a joke. Because Cedric Alexander, because he's smaller, which, by the way, the only reason why he's, he, he lost so much weight so he can compete in your fucking Cruiserweight Classic. <laughs> and then he does that, gets the contract, stays at Cruiserweight for, for a number of years, gets moved to Raw... So I I don't know if he if he gained he doesn't doesn't look like he gained a whole lot of weight yet but I mean he moved to Raw yeah I get it. Drew McIntyre is tall and he's shredded and all this stuff Cedric Alexander can go toe to toe with Drew McIntyre any day of the week yeah it's why why is this not a plausible thing and this is <laughs> like that's that's my problem like it's it's not just Cedric Alexander it's, it's a number of of wrestlers men and women who constantly are putting this this bubble where it's like, yeah, you're good, but you're just good to get other make other guys look good. Yeah. You know, we saw that with Sami Zayn for so many so, so long. We still are. <laughs> I mean, here's a guy that can be a world champion anywhere in the world. You put him in Ring of Honor, he's fighting Matt Taven for the belt. You put him in AEW, he's fighting the likes of Cody or Omega, things like sure, that. Sure, yeah. You know, on 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 Raw or SmackDown in WWE, for the longest time, he was a guy that constantly lost every single match. He was a guy that couldn't uh, couldn't win the NXT Championship until, you know, a year later. And then when he finally does, he only gets a whopping one title defense because, oh, we can't have Sami Zayn as our champion. But it's plausible to have Shane McMahon as, you know, the best in the world, by the way, who we see on, on TV now. Um... Yeah, it's it's this is like this is what what bothers me so much. This is why, you know, I, you know, we're watching it again. I have PlayStation Plus. I record Raw every single week, but I don't I, I don't watch, and it doesn't fill up my DVR thankfully because they 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 cut it off at their X amount of time. Um, but it's just like, dude, I I don't I don't get why they don't see the talent for what it is because it actually is a great pool of talent. Uh, Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross, one of the most rugged female wrestlers in the company, and now she's this Alexa Bliss's best buddy who smiles awkwardly all the time. Yeah. I this is what this is what they do to her. Oh you know, oh you're you're different. You're more of a roughneck style. You're not afraid to take the bumps and do this and that. We're not gonna have you do any of that. We're gonna have you smile and do talk shows. <laughs> Great booking. Great booking. That's just uh that's my gripe, man. Yeah, like they you just... know what? This is this is such a stark contrast to what I was watching uh over the past couple of days. I've been p- been catching pl- uh I've been playing catch up, pardon me. I've been playing catch up with uh New Japan Pro Wrestling's G one climax twenty nine. Thank you. Uh, I have now witnessed the first three shows in its in their entirety, and uh, I am blown away. Every show has been fucking fantastic. Uh, show number three, which took place, I believe, on the fourteenth of July, maybe the fifteenth of July. I think it was fifteenth. Yeah. Um, the main event was Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenta, which was. Insane to even think something like that would ever take place mm-hmm. anywhere, and that match was just fucking phenomenal. I got goosebumps just talking about it, and I'm sitting there watching it, 
I know you've seen it. Mm-hmm. There's a part in the match where Tanahashi, I'm pretty sure he hit his uh, his dragon screw leg whip, and immediately Kenta just got up and pretty much like no sold it, and then came and came behind him as he was celebrating with his air guitar, and he fucking muffed him in the head yep. with his foot. Yeah, and the crowd went ape shit. They could not believe such a. a a lack of respect coming from Kenta, and I was all about it. I'm like, finally, someone's getting that fucking old man and just messing up his lawn, <laughs> all of his lawn, every bit of his fucking lawn. It was great. The match was fucking phenomenal. Kenta wins. I'm going to spoil it for you. Kenta wins, and uh, he asks for a handshake as a sign of respect. Doesn't get it. Mm. But to be fair, uh, I think that it took, like, 10 years for Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, we talked about that last yeah, week. So. Yeah. But, uh, god damn, if you guys want to watch pro wrestling without any fucking bullshit shenanigans or stupid fucking bullshit titles, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash NJPW. Get your free full month of New Japan Pro Wrestling World, the streaming service. Watch the entire G1 for free. I, I yeah. can't. I, I'm only through the first three shows, and, and I'm, I'm like, fucking, my mind is just melted. I'm only one show ahead of you. Fuck. You know, I so. can't wait, dude. I can't wait to watch more. Um, we are currently watching uh, the Raw reunion show. They're showing uh, a segment where yeah, it's... has got some bruises on their arm. Yeah. Uh, it's Alexa Bliss's Moment of Bliss talk show. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, at least Becky Lynch isn't doing anything with Seth Rollins anymore because, you know, that was getting ridiculous. <laughs> uh, looks like she's going to have a feud with Natalya, probably SummerSlam, and uh, Natalya's yeah, home country. That's her, yeah, that's her opponent. Yeah. That'll be her opponent. So, um, I don't know where Alexa Bliss fits into this because she was actually fighting. Oh, no, she was fighting for the SmackDown title. Everything's fucking confusing because of this whole wild card <laughs> thing. I don't... I don't get it anymore. So this this show has been so fucking random that when they cut to a commercial for Rum Chata and there were, like, dancing cows, I, like, you couldn't, it was like a seamless. Yeah. Like, it it, it might as well be part of Monday Night Raw here on this fucking episode. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, um, this is, this is ridiculous. It's, it's bad. It's bad. Um, SummerSlam. We are getting, for those who know, it is it is Becky Lynch versus Natalya. Uh, Bailey's defending the SmackDown Women's title against Ember Moon, and then Seth Rollins defending the or sorry Brock Lesnar defending the Universal title against Seth Rollins. That's officially happening. Um, and then the night before that at NXT, more than likely for the final time, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. Oh, that should be good. Two out, three falls again. Excellent. And not only that. But. Wait, there's more. There's more. <laughs> this is not a straight two out of three falls match. This is what used to be called a three stages of hell match. Every match, every every fall, fall is a stipulation. Is a stipulation. Holy shit. Uh, each, par- each, each participant is doing their own. Uh, they're doing their own stipulation. Okay. Um. And if it goes to a third fall, then William Rigo is going to decide the stipulation. 
Wow. So I'm going to ask you this question. Assuming it goes all three falls. Oh, it's going to go all three. You know it's going to go all three. <laughs> what do you want to see? Uh, I want to see a ladder match for sure. That uh, To me, that, that got, has got to be like the third one. Yeah. That's how you end it. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, no specific order. But yeah, ladder match. Uh, fuck it. Steel cage. But they better use the fucking cage. I know they will. Yeah. This is NXT. Yeah, it's NXT. And, uh, oh, man. Put me on the spot here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, ladder match, steel cage. And, uh, you know what? For me, Gargano and Cole, when it comes to, like, hardcore, hardcore shit, Count me out. I don't want to see them in a barbed wire match. No, I don't no, want to no. see them like no fucking death match. Like no. none of that shit. Um, oh man, I don't know. There's something for me for those guys. I think they can pull it out to where it's not too extreme. False count anywhere. Oh yeah, they're okay. I think I think they I can, can get they can pull that. some shenanigans sure, off enough yeah. to where it's it's extreme, but it's also. Um, it's also good wrestling. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll give you that one. Another thing, too, that's happening the night before that, also in Toronto, uh, the, you're having the Summer Supercard, in which four companies... Right, it's uh, Ring of Honor, yes. New Japan Pro Wrestling, Yes. Uh, who else, CMLL, Yes. and NWA. And your favorite, NWA. They're putting on a show... It's the year of the ladder match because, <laughs> as, as I said, as I said earlier uh, uh, before we started recording, we're getting God, we're getting the Briscoes one more time in a ladder match. In a ladder match for the ROH World Tag Team Titles. I'm fucking excited. I'm so excited. But uh, potentially, both titles could be on the line if you think about it. Yeah. I don't know if that will happen, but potentially, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, the. The Grills of Destiny are not on the G uh, G one tour no. as of right now. They might show up at some point because uh, it's we still got a little less than a month left of the G one. If you can believe that or not, <laughs> um, but uh, they've been you know because they are they are the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, or maybe they lost those titles. I, I'm not going to spoil it, but they did defend them already um, at the. Uh, uh, Manhattan Mayhem show. Sure. Uh, so they they're doing they're doing U.S. dates right now. Uh, I think I think they might be popping up at uh, a few NWA shows as well. Um, from what I what I was from my understanding, they're supposed to be doing a few shows to help promote that show out here. Okay. Uh, because, you know, New Japan right now is in the middle of a huge tournament. A lot of their top talent is busy doing the tournament. So um, these guys are kind of like the uh, spokespeople for New Japan right now. Okay. Uh, promoting that show. Again, that's on August 9th. Uh, if you want to watch that show, you can do that with an, with an Honor Club subscription, which I have. I do love that. But if you don't have a subscription through Honor Club and you don't really want to subscribe to something else because there's so much to subscribe to these days, that's fine. You can order the show on Fight TV. Go to our website at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash F-I-T-E. 
Sign up as a new member, and we're going to give you 15 bucks of free credit to use towards that show. Um, you're not going to want to miss this. I don't want to miss it. No. No. I'm, I'm fucking excited. Uh, let's, um, it's a summer super card here, right? Here's my thing. I don't want to see full-on ROH versus ROH. I want to see mixtures of things. So let's say Matt Taven, assuming he walks in as ROH world champion, but, uh, who do you want to see him defend that belt against? If Matt Taven walks in, Ring of Honor champ. Um, well, do you want to go different, or do you want to go... I want to go different. You want to go different? I don't want to go ROH. Well, no, no, no. I, I understand that, but you got to remember, Taven is uh, pretty well versed in CMLL. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. And does that count as different to you? Because it, it does count as different, but I mean, if you want to throw in New Japan or, or NWA, I wouldn't. I'll be opposed to that. But if you got somebody in CMLL, that's that's fine too. Not anyone in particular, just someone from CLL, CMLL. I'm mm-hmm. I'm assuming would probably be a, a little more available than uh, New Japan. What if what if we do a champion versus champion match? Assuming, you know, we do world title versus world title. We don't want to put those on the line per se, or maybe you do, maybe you don't. I, I would, I would say they probably don't. But Matt Taven versus uh, Kazuchika Okada, as good as Matt Taven has become, is he ready for a, an Okada match? That's a good question. I Matt Taven's come a long way. Absolutely. Sorry to cut you off. Why the fuck is Braun Strowman fighting jobbers again? I don't know. I'm assuming this is a local kid. Yeah, I'm, I would imagine so. Ladies and gentlemen, we're watching the July 22nd edition of Monday Night Raw. The uh, the Raw reunion show, Braun Strowman is about to have a squash match against some local talent, I'm assuming. Uh, I don't know who the fuck he is. <laughs> but uh, I thought he surpassed us. It's like they have nothing for Braun Strowman anymore. I feel sorry for that kid. Um, Matt Taven's come a long way. Yeah. And uh, do do I see him hanging with Okada? No, I don't. That's I, tough. I th- I think Matt Taven's come a very long way, but um, no, I I don't I I don't I don't. It would be such a clash of styles, but I think I still think Okada hands Matt Taven his ass. Yeah, I I really do. I, that is that is a very big uphill battle for a lot of, a lot of guys in, that, in the business. <laughs> I mean, when 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 um, when Rocky Romero called Kazuchika Okada the greatest IWGP Heavyweight Champion of all time, that's not just because they're stablemates or they're friends. There's there's some truth behind that, and you know I I know there's a lot of historians that are going to have a problem with that. That's fine, but Kazuchika Okada, if he isn't the best. I mean, he's he's a tough argument to to count him out as as the best of all time. I'm sitting there watching the match between him and Zack Saber Jr. at the G1. Yeah, and Zack Saber Jr. had come out previous to the match and was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna pin you in the G1, get my title shot, and I'm not gonna wait. I'm gonna take my title shot at the Copper Box in London as soon as possible. And 
Rocky Romero had had uh, come out on commentary and said that when he went to go greet Okada before the match, uh, Okada was eating his beef bowl. Yeah, meaning that uh, that was, it, Okada was treating it like it was a super important match. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see Okada go in there with that frame of mind." And uh, it was it was a hell of a fucking match. It got to the point where Zack Saber was so fucked up, like he was still getting ting- tingling sensation in his neck from where Okada was beating the shit out of him. Yeah, and uh, he he had a hard time uh, holding on to submissions towards the end of the match. And um, it it was just it was it was a great fucking match. The, I don't want to come across like everything out of Japan is fucking great, but man, those cards have been fucking great. I mean, Toriyama versus Tetsuya Naito. Even that, like, I know that was just fu- <laughs> it was a fucking uh, yeah you know, a, a, a shenanigans kind of a match, yeah. but it was so fucking entertaining and it made sense. Like, it wasn't they were just out there having fun. Mm. Like they, it was still relevant to the tournament. It was still relevant to each of their characters. Like sure. it all worked. Not like the shit we're watching here on the television. <laughs> what I love too is that like they they can take young talent and build them up. You know, perfect example is Toa Hanare. Toa yeah. Hanare. Again, I've I've said it on the show before. I was like, when is he going to step his game up? And, you know, they've been building him up. He's taken his beatings for sure. And now in the G1, who he's not competing in the G1, by the way, but they've pretty much called him out. They said, you got a year, kid, to prove yourself, to get yourself a G1 spot next year. And from just from the commentators alone, it, it sounds like they potentially could be pushing this kid to finally get to a legit status. You know, because, you know, they call out guys like Hiroki Goto. You know, Hiroki Goto, who's in the G1, they'd be like, hey, you got to step your game up because, you know, there's questions being thrown about you. You're too old now. You're a former G1 winner. You're a former IWGP heavyweight champion. He fucking stepped it up. And he did. <laughs> oh, shit, and, did he? And, but that, that's more storytelling. It's it's like, if we're going to go, you know, let's say we went with John Cena. We're... Not saying that Hiroki Goto is equivalent to John Cena, anyway. Yeah, please don't. But for all intents and purposes, <laughs> let's let's call it that for now. If you're going to put John Cena in this tournament, well, don't put John Cena in this tournament because he's John Cena, right? You know, because if if he's not stepping up anymore, then you know it's like, well, maybe John Cena shouldn't be in this tournament anymore. And if he doesn't step up at all, yeah, he's out. Like Yoshihashi, hey, you ain't gonna if you're not gonna win anything you're out yeah you're out you're not you're not you're not going to compete in the, in the G1 Mano Suzuki same thing you're out you know we're going we're going to put somebody else in there that that can potentially compete that was the thing with Hiroki Yoto that was that was the that's how they pushed him in this tournament it's like you you got to step your game up they they not that not for age reasons but for how he performed last year Juice Robinson are you going to do anything this year? And, and he fucking stepped his game up tenfold in this tournament so far. Oh, oh my man. god! But you know, any one of those guys could potentially lose that spot. Even you know, shenanigan guy like Toriano, a bad luck fallet. You know, guys like that. You know, you used to see guys like um, 
uh, Togemakabe in this tournament not so long ago. Right. That's not going to happen anymore. Nope. At least not anytime soon, if, if ever again. Probably never again. You know, I mean, it's this is all shit that, like, again, we evolve and adapt. Yeah, Japan and even Mexico, they're very traditionalist, and, and, and a, lot, a lot of guys hang around for a long time, but they hang around by taking a step back. You're not going to see Yuji Nagata or Manabu Nakanishi in these tournaments anymore because they know they're old yeah. and they can't compete the way that they can anymore. They respect the business so much that they say, even though we don't want to walk away forever, we want these young cats to uh, come in and 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 have the spotlight. Unlike a Hiroshi Tanahashi or a Ric Flair here. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, I mean, even though Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kenta had the match that they had, you know, there's definitely still that that question: Does Tanahashi even belong in here? I mean, if he keeps putting on the matches that he's put on thus far, I'm sold by it. But I don't know if he can hang. I tell you what, for a full tournament. I tell you what, he he's gonna have a hard time. Um, Kenta, that match with Kenta was first of all, it was an instant classic. Second of all. Uh, the stiff hits he was he was getting you know he came in uh, you know and we're I'm being fair here I'd mm-hmm. say he was a good 60 to 65 percent better he wasn't all the way healed but right. he was working at a, like a 65 percent rate he came into the G1 like that and he he survived Kenta I think that's a really good word he survived Kenta yeah I don't. I, I man, he's gonna be fucking tore up from the floor up by the end of this fucking tournament. You know, yeah. it isn't like. I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously, if um, you know, there's always the the chance that he'll bow out at some point. You know, we 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 seen that earlier uh, this year with uh, Takamichinoku, who suffered an injury and mm-hmm. couldn't you know couldn't finish the. Super Juniors tournament, so I mean, there's stuff like that. It's a possibility, but uh, yeah, Tanahashi better get his shit together, better keep his shit together, uh, because Kenta's not the only fucking guy in this tournament that you've got to face. So uh, we are watching all the quote unquote WWE legends come out. Yeah, especially quote unquote. Yeah. Let me tell you something, brother. Uh, Hulk Hogan has just appeared for the first, well, in the arena for the first time, as opposed to like on the jumbotron or titantron. Uh, the boogeyman is there. He's off to the left hand side. He walked out with everybody else. I just want to point out real quick here: 165 title reigns of the WWE Championship. 165 championship reigns since 1963. Let's do the math. Okay. So far, the 24-7 championship. <laughs> Since May 20th of 2019, has had 29. Wow. We're catching up. Breakneck pace. Um, again, it is the Ironman Heavy Metalweight Championship. And uh, I made this point to, to Joe before we started recording. It's a very interesting point, by the way. Uh... The 24-7 championship is the title that WWE put out there more likely to say, hey, at least it's not the, the least relevant title out there anymore because 
you have the Universal title that has been re- irrelevant almost almost since its entire existence. Yeah. There has been, what, two legit title reigns? Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins? And you know what kills me? Like, where did it all go wrong? You know, I get, I get Finn Balor wins it. He gets injured right away. He has to rel- relinquish it hours later. Unfortunate, unfortunate situation. But after that... Well, you give it to Kevin Owens. You give it to Kevin Owens. Which was a good reign. Yeah. No, good, I, a good heel reign. But after, you know, at, at some point... It was just like they gave up. Yeah. They wanted this this title to be super important, and they wanted a certain prestige with it. With it. But then it's like, oh, well, we don't we don't know what to do with it anymore, so fuck it. Just, it's out there. But, you know, huh? we'll give it to Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, you, had, you gave it to Goldberg first. Goldberg had it for a month, showed up maybe twice. And then Brock Lesnar gets it. And he holds on to it for 504 days, over a year. And he probably showed up 10 times. As we, yeah. Yeah, we do legit do see the boogeyman. And then he gets, uh, then Roman Reigns gets it. He, he only had, he gets it for 64 days. And the title was vacated due to the uh, leukemia. Right. Brock Lesnar gets it back, holds on to it for another 156 days. Until he finally loses it. Seth Rollins gets it for almost 100 days. 98 to be exact. And now here we are, Brock Lesnar. Again, third time. Three-time champion. Brock Lesnar has been champion for 669 days. Oh, and counting. <laughs> oh, the next closest is Kevin Owens at 188 days. Wow. Brock Lesnar has appeared at less shows than the amount of days that Kevin Owens was champion. Uh, how is this title like uh, not irrelevant? Oh, so man. what do we do instead of making the title irrelevant? Again, I'm spitballing here. I'll admit that. I'm not saying that's what they did. But what do we do? We're going to create a title that's that's dumber, that's less relevant. 24-7. I mean, Kelly Kelly and Gerald Briscoe at 70 or 80 years old, whatever the fuck he is now. I mean, shit. The fuck, anybody. The fucking guy holding the fucking Austin 316 sign. Yeah. Let him be champion. Hey, the Universal title, it, it, hey, it's not the 24-7 title. Now, that's a goofy belt, not the Universal title. Even though the Raw reunion showed, he doesn't fucking show up. I mean, of course, it's not over yet. <laughs> but let's say he doesn't show up. Your top champion of your show is not even on your special edition fucking episode. It's ridiculous. Great fucking booking, Vince. <laughs> Great fucking booking. <laughs> I don't know why you fought. Let him fucking let, let him go to UFC. But then again, the reason why he didn't go to UFC because Brock's not an idiot. He knows he can't fucking hack it in the, in MMA anymore. He barely could hack it from to begin with. He was a failed pro wrestler. Or sorry, he was a failed pro football player. He was a mediocre MMA fighter during a time when only people that were in the heavyweight division were guys that were ten years older than him. I mean, oh, he beat Frank Mir. He beat Frank Mir like at fifty years old. Right. He beat Randy Couture at fifty plus years old. Right. You know, don't you didn't impress me. He didn't go up there against fucking Junior Dos Santos <laughs> or Cain Velasquez <laughs> or something like that. And then like, uh, uh, who the fuck, uh, Alistair Overeem? Alistair Overeem pretty much murders him. And then so it wasn't like he beat anybody of importance. With all due respect to the guys he beat, sure they were past their prime. It's like. 
It's like if Kenny Omega went in the fucking ring against Ric Flair right now. Yeah. You you really gonna impress me by beating a fucking seventy year old man? <laughs> so he he can't hack it in football. He can't can't hack it in MMA. But he can make a ton of money, essentially fake fighting. He's not an idiot. There's no doubt about it. The, the people that are idiots are the fucking stupid fans out there that buy his fucking t-shirts, yeah. that cheer for him when he comes out, that think that he's the big thing. And if you're listening to the show, yes, I'm calling you an idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you are. You are You are every part of the fucking problem. And then you go on fucking Facebook or you go on Twitter and you bitch and moan about the product being shitty now, but you buy into it as well. Yeah. Don't buy into it. Don't. Just you, don't. You are, you are getting... Burned by the fire that you are helping ignite. Stop it. <laughs> Step away from the flames. Because then, then the fire will fucking go out. You know, you have a plethora of so many other fucking wrestling organizations out there that want your money just as badly as WWE does. And the difference is, is that they're going out there and busting their asses for it. Where this company is literally saying, hey, we have Kelly Kelly as 24-7 champion. Come watch our show. Oh, my. <laughs> Must see TV. If that's, again, if you keep, and I, I know we're watching, we're adding to the ratings right now. We are watching it as it happens live. Sue me. It is happening. Whatever. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, this is like once in a you know a very fucking blue moon for me to have Raw on. Same here. Uh, I I just I can't buy into this fucking company, and I, and I wish I wish I had I wish I could turn off the WWE Network altogether at this point, so I'm not giving them any of my money. But the WWE Network is fucking worth it. It does have a great amount of stuff, and I was telling Joe they just added a uh, a good amount of old ECW shows. Before they had a TV deal, you know, they would just do, like, these, these specials that were yeah. released on VHS. Um, they're under the pay-per-view moniker. Uh, if you want to know what we're talking about, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE Network. It's all one word. Get a subscription through us. 30 days for free. Watch some of the stuff that used to be good. <laughs> uh, ECW, the old ECW, not the 2008 shit. Oh, good lord! Uh, even even Paul Heyman and Tommy Dreamer will tell you how bad that was. Oh, that was horrible. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, this is. I, I I just I get so frustrated. I I just get so pissed off hearing these people bitch and moan about it. But then when AEW comes around, it's like, oh, there's no way. There's no way they're gonna fucking last. They can't beat WWE. You were <laughs> you were given what you're wanting. You 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 wanted something different, but you just wanted it to be from WWE. It's again, it's the, and I know I get in trouble sometimes from people when I use this, but it's the battered woman. Oh. It's you know I, I want the love, but I don't want it from him. You know <laughs> the nice guy that's gonna treat me right. I want it from the guy that keeps beating shit out of me all the time, because you know that's that's what's gonna you know he's gonna change. He's gonna change. He's gonna change. Hey, he ain't gonna change. He ain't gonna change until you make him change, and that's just how it's. That's that's the, what the WWE is. They're not gonna change until you say, you know what, fuck it, I'm not going to fucking watch it anymore. I'm not gonna participate. I'm not gonna go to the stupid fucking pay per views or the stupid fucking Raws where nothing happens. You and I have a buddy 
that, uh, you know, a friend of the show, we've gone to wrestling shows, he's been to Raw's, and he'll tell you how fucking boring they are. Yeah. Nothing happens. It's one of those situations, and, and, you know, wrestling isn't the only thing we see this happen in, but this is a wrestling podcast where you, you have an industry. Yeah. It's around. It has its... It has its stars, it's very successful people or entities, what have you. And then you have everybody else. But then, you know, circumstances, one one way or another, sometimes, you know, it's because people die and they're mm-hmm. not available or they refuse to be available anymore because they don't want to be a part of it or any, you know, a plethora of reasons. But then you get all those people who were there to begin with and they get... They just automatically they get the the legend status, yeah, or the superstar status, mm-hmm. or you know. And, and again, this isn't just wrestling. It's it's the NBA, it's the NFL, it's the NHL, yeah. like any anything sports related, any movies. You know, how many fucking movie uh, movie quote unquote stars have we seen over the years who are just mediocre, but because they're still around and alive. And still trying to put their name out there. Oh, they're a legend. Mm-hmm. All that is is just you're accepting mediocrity. Yeah. And you know, I hate to, I hate to be the, I hate to be fucking Debbie Downer, but that's what it is. That's what's going on right now, as we see in the ring. You know, don't get me wrong. Like you've got Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, who well, leg- a legitimate yeah. superstar. Well, let me ask you, everyone that's in this in this ring right now. Rough, a rough percentage because you know, I'm not gonna have you count it all out. Rough percentage. How many of them are actual, like legit legends? I'd say twenty five percent or less. Okay, there you have it. A quarter, maybe at most. Yeah, are legends, and you have easily what thirty people, maybe more. There's forty people. More, in the yeah, there's like forty, close to fifty people. Close in fifty the people range. in the like ring. the boogeyman. He's not a legend. <laughs> he was a. He was all gimmick. Yeah. I don't remember him winning any titles. I don't know nothing. I don't remember Jillian Hall being a legend. Yeah, what makes her a legend? Yeah. Or Caitlyn. What? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You know, I you mean, know? Stone Cold, like you said, Triple H. I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to disrespect the Briscoe you know, or Gerald Briscoe or Pat, I think Pat Patterson was in there. I consider them legends. Uh, real quick, but before I, before this drops out of my mind completely here, yeah, they promised not that I want to fucking see it, but they promised that they were going to have a special edition of Mrs. In Ring Show. Okay. Now you and I just watched the entire Raw reunion show. Yeah. It never happened. Of Mrs. Did you see it happen? Of the what the Miz TV? Yeah. It so yeah it, it probably did happen. Um, there was a spot where my 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 uh, internet froze. Oh okay. And so I I didn't go back to it. I just played it from where it was at. Oh. So we probably it. we probably okay. missed like thirty minutes of the show. That's fine. <laughs> um, I, it did us a favor. Like yeah yeah, yeah no on. yeah Miz yeah. Turn us off. I don't know where the hell he's been. Again, I haven't been watching He's it, been doing this fucking show here. Doing the show. I'm glad, though. I don't... Yeah, he can do this. He can do this yeah. all year round. At one point in time, I was I was all about watching The Miz. Yeah, it was uh, short-lived for me. It though. was very short-lived for me. I don't know I don't know what 
what decided again he's gonna be one of those guys legend he'll be a legend yeah, at some yeah. point and you're like what the fuck dude so mjf cocky some bitch yeah persona uh, congratulations, by the way. He's currently one half of the MLW World Tag Team Champions. Hell of a tag, uh, tag team ladder match. I gotta watch it. Seven watch. The Dynasty versus uh, the Heart Foundation. Um, MJF also, you know, he, he works for Major League Wrestling, but he also works for All Elite Wrestling. He actually signed a contract extension as well, multi-year deal. So he's gonna be with them for for quite some time at Jacksonville for Fight for the Fallen. As I mentioned last week, I, I was uh, I was there. MJF comes out and somebody says like, "Man, like he's he's so good, like he's like he's like the next Miz." <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm I'm just I'm gritting my teeth. Yeah, how hard did you slap this person? I I'm gritting my teeth because I was like, you know, what? people can say whatever the fuck they want to say. It's you know, it's it's they pay their money, they can say whatever they want, any kind of chant they want to do whatever. I just couldn't let it go. I just I turned to him and I was like, "Man, you got it all wrong." I was like, "The Miz wishes he was the next MJF." Absolutely. And there was a, a plethora of people around me like, "Yeah, like, <laughs> fuck yeah." MJF on his worst day is so far superior than what the Miz ever could be. I I mean, I, the Miz is a guy that had potential and took the John Cena route. And and it shows. It's I mean, this is a guy that was apparently endorsed by Ric Flair at one point in his career. Uh, of course, I don't I don't know how genuine that was. And, yeah. and, and there's part of it too where Ric Flair is not the same Ric Flair that he used to be. Ric Flair used to be a pretty tough critic on on talent. Yeah, and, well, but also like if you if you sit and listen to a lot of his. Uh interviews or shoot interviews he was a company man especially Still when is today yeah especially when he was in WCW so whenever they you know you know damn well in anyone's right mind including Ric Flair's he didn't want the horseman to keep coming back oh yeah but he would do it every single time he would do it every single time because he's a company man yes you know right. so i mean don't get me wrong i understand he wanted the company to succeed but Telling them yes to multiple horsemen, you know, yeah, stable like no, that's not the that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. But um, <laughs> MJF, yeah, and another one for me is Austin Theory. Those are two guys. Mm-hmm. I for just open your mind for a second, ladies and gentlemen. Think about everything you like about WWE from its yesteryear. Okay? You like Macho Man? You like Hulk Hogan? You like Stone Cold Steve Austin? You like all those guys? You have the same qualities in an Austin Theory and or an MJF. They're just not there. They're not in the WWE. But here's the thing. Either one of those guys, if they do end up in the WWE, they they have that potential, the the level of potential to be as successful as those names I just rattled off. Yeah. Because they know they know professional wrestling. They know what to do. They can adapt. 
they can they can still be wrestlers and great on the mic and perform and you know they could do it all. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you do that? What happens when you finally start signing guys who can outshine no matter what? Then what? And and for my money, I think that's why either of those guys are not in the WWE. Don't get me wrong, Austin Theory is in Evolve, which is the official breeder for WWE, but yeah. you know, there's a chance he can show up if he stays with, with the company. But sure. I guarantee you I guarantee you if they if they could figure the fuck out and have guys like that, get them signed and, and let them do what they do. These are guys who, when it comes to promos, it's off the top of their head. Yeah. It's natural to them. Just like it used to be with a Mr. Perfect yeah. or a Macho Man. You know? You get that natural promo. You get you get that organic mic work. And the sky's the limit. That's half the fucking battle most of the time. But then on top of that, they both can wrestle. Yeah. They both can wrestle. So... Here's another, I guess, analogy for you. A lot of people don't like Disney because they they buy all this shit now. But why why do you think Disney got to where it's at? Why the success? There's a reason for that. Because they take creativity and they let it flow. Oh, I thought you were going to say worshiping Satan. Oh, there's that too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, flow of creativity. Please continue. Flow of creativity. I mean, so... If you have somebody like, picture Macho Man in, in the 80s. Some of the best promos I've ever seen even to this day. Cream of the crop. I mean, I mean, just to this day, there's that WrestleMania 5 promo. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, and, and just, uh, that's just one of, of many. And, you know, you, 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 you take that, you know, you take, you go from where he was at in 1989 and you take you you take it thirty years later. I can't believe nineteen eighty nine is thirty years ago now. Yeah, man. Um, thirty years later, and put them in today. You know what we do? We're gonna take that and be like, you know what? Let's run it by forty fucking riders first, and then see what Vince says. And then maybe maybe you have a okay promo out of it. You take creativity and you squish it like a fucking bug. Yeah, you suck all the life out of it. There's a reason why companies like Disney are so successful because they take creativity and they let, you know, they, they monitor you. Sure. You know, it is a company. It is a big company. And they have to, you know, make sure their shit's good. Yeah. But the, for the most part, it's just write me a script. Tell me a story. Tell me a story. Yep. Simple as that. Every every interview that I've, I've ever read... Or, or saw or heard whether it was from 1937 or 1930s because it was released in 1937 but from 1930s from Snow White to all the way to today it's been almost identical write me a story tell me a story tell me a good story yeah, tell me a good story if you tell me a story and it's not so good well, we're gonna you know maybe we can tweak some things but you know who tweaks the things the original writers. 
they're, they're, they're told, like, you know, it's missing a certain something. Or maybe sometimes they're, you know, they have writer's block. Because, you know, you and I write. It happens to the best of us. Absolutely. All right, we'll bring somebody else in, a third party. Maybe they can help uh, guide you. Zootopia was a perfect example of that. They, these guys, two guys, they were they were having issues. Third party comes in immediately. What if we do this? A light bulb goes out. They tell the story and it does fucking amazing. I, I mean, it's good movie. All these, all you know, it's so many examples of that, and there's a reason why. Again, why they are a multi-billion-dollar company that just bought fucking Fox, <laughs> right? Or you know, part of Fox. It doesn't happen. You know, they, they're not. It wasn't just. It was. It was a company that was built by two guys that had nothing. You know, it wasn't like they they were they they you know had this company and you know they had all this money and like, they had nothing. If they couldn't tell good stories, Disney wouldn't be a thing today. And the point that I'm trying to make is, creativity goes a long fucking way. It could take two guys from Chicago. For those who don't know, Walt Disney is from Chicago originally. You know, poor fucking you know farm boys, and turn them into the biggest names. You know, in movie history, one of them, I should say, at least. Because of creativity, because of the fact that they had the mindset of, you know what, if we get all their best minds together, which kind of what Vince has attempted to do, but the problem is, it, it's too much, but don't micromanage, let them be themselves, let them explore the world, you know, you want to make a, a movie that takes place in fucking Mexico, guess what, we're going to Mexico, we're going to see how they live. We're going to see this or that. You know, same thing with pro wrestling. If you got a guy like a MJF, you know, let him, you know, talk to him. Let him cut a promo for you. Let him see, you know, at the very least, let the kid go out there with a live mic like you used to do with another kid by the name of Dwayne Johnson and say, you know what, cut me a promo. Yeah. And you never know what you're going to create with it. But instead, what they do is say, "Here, here's a, here's a two-page piece of paper. Memorize those lines." And then, more than likely, at some point in the day, it gets changed. Oh, you, you know what? Yeah. Scrap all that. Now you're gonna say this. Yeah. And it, it just it leads to confusion. It leads to frustration. It leads to guys not believing in your system. And when you don't believe in a system, you show up for a paycheck. And yeah. it shows. It shows, and no matter what business you're in, you know whether you work a regular nine to five, you know you know those guys are just there to collect the paycheck. Oh, I know. You know <laughs> they have no heart in it, and and it could be for for legit reasons, or it could be for bullshit reasons. You know, not everything's the same. But either way, they're not contributing. They're not contributing. You know, they don't care if the company grows. And I can guarantee you, by the way that you we see a lot of wrestling in WWE, there's a lot of guys that are there to make that good money, but not necessarily contribute to the company because they don't have a voice. It doesn't matter anyways. You know, and that's where AEW is different. That's where MLW is different. That's where Ring of Honor has always been different. You have a voice because you are there to help progress the company. But... Enough history lessons on Disney. <laughs> um, with all that, uh, 
all that name dropping. We got a lot of bills we got to pay. Absolutely. So. We're going to try to progress <laughs> ourselves here. So uh, we're going to pause for the cause and take a break. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. This episode of the 20 by 20 Ring Crew has been brought to you by PodCoin. Joe, if you're anything like me, you love podcasts, but wouldn't it be better if you got paid while, while doing it? Absolutely. Fellas, ladies, children of all ages, you can now be paid to listen to us, the 20 by 20 Ring Crew. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Sit there, enjoy Matt and I, go back and forth about professional wrestling all day, all night. Now, it's not straight out cash. You'll get paid in pod coins, but you can change those pod coins in for stuff like gift cards to Starbucks, Target, Best Buy, what have you. Or, if you're uh, anything not like me, you uh, <laughs> you can donate those pod coins for, to charity. To charity so. Which is, I mean, that's always a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So all you got to do is visit us at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash podcoin. That was a little bit of a tongue twister. It is. Again, that's 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash podcoin. And don't forget, use the invite code 20x20pod when you sign up for the podcoin app. It's going to give you 300 free coins right off the bat the moment you sign up for free. And podcoin is available for both iOS and Android. And you get to listen to not just us, but a a plethora of podcasts at your leisure. And the more you listen, the more money you make. It's that simple, folks. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash podcoin. Get yourself signed up today. Remember, invite code 20x20pod for 300 free coins. And as always, we will see see you in the the ring. Thank you again for hanging in there with us, folks. As always, we appreciate each and every one of you who are listening Thanks again to all you new subscribers on PodCoin. Um, it's been great. It's been great being uh, part of the PodCoin app. And uh, we continue, we hope to continue um, a long, fruitful relationship with PodCoin. Um, we're going to switch gears here now um, in more ways than one. <laughs> because... Uh, here we were watching the WWE Network, and we received a fatal error. That that was pretty fucking interesting. <laughs> the, the dialogue box on the screen actually said something has gone very wrong. <laughs> uh, we've recovered, and we are now watching one of the more recent additions to the ECW archives on the network. We're watching the ECW Gangsta's Paradise uh We'll call it a super show. Yeah, it's on the pay-per-view sections, but yeah. It's yeah, it, it's, it was the pay-per-view before they actually had a pay-per-view. Yeah, and, were, were uh, these like just VHS's specials? Or? Yeah, they're, they were VHS specials. Uh, have you ever watched this one all the way through? No, it was my first time. <laughs> so, man, <laughs> I'm glad they had it on instant replay. There's a spot, there's a, a dog collar match, a, a tag team dog collar match. I think it's for the titles between the Pitbulls versus Raven and uh, Stevie Richards and at one point I don't I, I can't recall which pit bull it is it's it's the guy with who's ball headed okay. <laughs> pit bull number one I guess yeah uh, so Raven props him up on the table in the middle of the ring pile drives him through that table and they go they literally make a hole in the middle of the table and then the table collapses around them it's it's like physics defying how this works. I, I, 
it's it's some pretty interesting shit to see. Uh, the match is completely all over the place and bloody. The Dudleys get involved, like the original, original Dudleys. Uh, not the Dudleys most people know. But, uh, yeah, fucking crazy. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE Network, all in word. Go get yourself a free 30-day subscription, because now you can watch cool-ass underground ECW pay-per-views. Right. <laughs> of which they had, like, what, five or six newly added? At least. At least. At least so. Yeah. That's that's a trust me, that is a, a quite uh, an amount of those shows to sit and uh, digest. Trust me, um, we're switching gears as I said, and uh, now that we're back from break, we are continuing on with some fantasy booking. We started last week with uh, our king, of, our first annual King of Kings tournament, where we take. All of the previous WWE, WWF, King of the Ring winners and fantasy book them in a tournament against one another. Uh, last week, if you were with us, we uh, came up with the, the official brackets. Uh, we used the the handy-dandy random sequencer over at random.org. Thank you guys for, for providing such a tool um, to come up with our brackets. And uh, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, please listen to episode 72, 20x20crew.com. Uh, so, first round. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Uh, our first match. We're going to start with the, the, the lower number seeds. So, our first match is 1987's Randy the Macho Man Savage taking on 1989's Tito Santana. Of a match for sure. Oh yeah, and any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Better than uh, <laughs> better than the three hours of Raw we just watched. I just want to point out too that that episode of Raw, yeah, the Raw reunion. You know what the main event was? Do you remember what it was? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, the last match. Oh, the, the actual match. Actual match. Uh, no, I don't remember. Braun Strowman versus the Jobber. That was the last match? That was the last match. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck, people? That's uh, that's your final... I mean, I'm sure they had a match for the live crowd afterwards, but as far did as... Did they? Or well, maybe. Usually they do. I, I guess we'll find out tomorrow if, if I care to remember the look. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's your main event. That was your main event. That, that, that kid's a... Uh, he's a main eventer now. He's a main eventer. He's a main eventer now. But God forbid Cedric Alexander beats Drew McIntyre. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Randy Savage, Tito Santana. Tito, Tito Santana is one of those perfect examples of a Cedric Alexander. Sure. Where it's like, hey, you can't beat anybody. You're Tito Santana. You're just there to make <laughs> other guys look good. Um, do I have him beating 87 Randy Savage? Me absolutely held to the no. No, yeah. There's no, no. I'm sorry. Well, there's a reason for that. Tito Santana can hang with Randy Savage, and Tito Santana, I feel, at certain points in his career, could beat Randy Savage. I'll give you that. Yeah, sure. 1987. We're we're on the brink, less than a year from his title run. Right. And I don't think anybody was hotter in the game at that point. 
than Randy Savage. Dude, classic WrestleMania three match against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Mm-hmm. You've got Mach at the top of his game. So, yeah, no, for me, I agree. Randy Savage defeats Tito Santana in the first round here. Santana's no uh, no slouch, uh, you know. Um, I think I think uh, to some people he does get a completely bad rap uh, for being like a glorified jobber, but I, I never felt that way about Tito Santana. I always thought he was a legitimate pro wrestler. Yeah, um, you know, I do too. I just uh, unfortunately he got stuck with some shitty gimmicks. Shitty you know. gimmicks, you know. You, there, there's a number of things. I'm not gonna go dive into, you know, conspiracy theory or anything like that. But wait, you have Tito Santana conspiracy theories? Well, <laughs> not not necessarily for Tito Santana. But oh, okay, okay. Ethnicity, we'll leave it. Oh, at that. oh, oh, okay. Um, but yeah. Uh, regardless. Randy Savage is, is, a, is a tough beat, especially in 1987. Uh, Randy Savage goes on to the to the quarterfinals. Sure, absolutely. Our next match... <laughs> you know what? I'm going to skip that one. We're going we're gonna to skip around here. Okay. Uh, so our, our next match... 2006's Booker T taking on 1997's Hunter Hearst Helmsley. So Hunter Helmsley, who was supposed to win the year before, that's right, wins it in '97. Um, 2006, Booker T later becomes King Booker. King Booker and wins the uh, WWE World Heavyweight Championship. But um, I never cared for him as King Booker. No, I didn't care for it either. It no. was it was a it was a poorly it was a. It was a funny gimmick. Yeah. And funny gimmicks shouldn't be world champions. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and that's that's me being a Booker T fan. Booker T is... No, yeah, no, uh, I know you're a Booker yeah, T fan. Yeah. Booker T brought me to the game. You know, he brought me to the dance. And uh, um, I just, I was never a fan of the, the fact that, you know, he was his over-the-top actual king and you know, well, his, again, his wife was there. Again, he's one of those talents. You see WCW fold mm-hmm. and everybody's like, he's going to do great in the WWF. And don't get me wrong, like obviously he's won titles and whatnot, but we we get nothing near the same Booker T that was in WCW. WCW, right. Same guy that you know that went seven matches with Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit you know. oh, that was one of those things, like, so it gets played out on TV, and it yeah. gets announced they're doing a best of seven, and that was that was a pretty hot topic amongst uh, myself and, and people I watched wrestling with back then, and it was like, wait a minute, like, are these guys going to be able to do this? Seven matches, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Who's going to stay interested? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? You're you're right, but you're wrong. Because it's not like you have two schlubs doing seven matches. No, no, no. This is fucking Chris Benoit and Booker T. And I wasn't surprised. I hung in there for all seven matches. But some of the people who watched wrestling with me back then... They were com- in complete and utter disarray. They could not believe their eyes at at the fact that they went seven matches, and they they loved every bit of it. Right. 
And I'm like, I don't know what kind of wrestling you're watching, but fuck. Like, this is, this is professional wrestling, you know? It was, it was some of the best, I mean, that was, to me, my first experience, you know, without diving into archives of footage that I've done over the over Yeah, years. yeah. My first experience seeing wrestling at its purest. Yeah. For me as a kid. Okay. Uh, was Booker T versus Chris Benoit in the Best of Seven series. You know, I mean, it would, to me, it, it was, it's a shame that a lot of people, a lot of the WWE faithful that weren't watching WCW at that time did never get to see that Booker T. Yeah. That they got King Booker. They got King Booker. Out of it. <laughs> um, because there's a reason why people people make fun of Booker T because he, you know, he, he says a lot of weird things and of that nature, but... Shucky ducky quack quack. Yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> but Booker T is... Uh, there's a reason why the man's a two-time Hall of Famer. Uh, whether you're... Uh, uh, I'm not a big fan of the, the Hall of Fame gimmick, but if if it was a legit Hall of Fame, for sure, without a doubt, he's a legit Hall of Famer. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, he just... personified pro wrestling in the 90s. And did it without ever being glorified, unfortunately. Um, Going back to this match, as much as I wasn't a a fan of the King Booker, I still think that was his best run in WWE. And for Hunter Hearst Helmsley in 1997, here's a guy that wins King of the Ring, but he's also a guy that is still figuring things out. Yeah, I'll uh, give I'll give you that. I agree. Um, you know, I mean, he's going to eventually join. You know, start D, not join, but help start D Generation X. Uh, he's very much still a lackey here uh, <laughs> un, un, until Shawn Michaels the, the injury and him leaving. Um, had this have happened a year later, or even two years later. Especially '99 Triple H, uh, you know, we're talking a different game here. No pun intended. <laughs> but um, but for 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 my money, Booker T does a shovel job this time, and uh, he uh, he beats he beats I, Triple H. I like where you're coming from. I I wholeheartedly agree. Triple H definitely '97 was one of those. Uh, I got to discover myself kind of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he won King of the Ring, but he it, uh, back then, regardless of what anyone says, because if you listen to the if you listen to guys like Bruce Pritchard and and uh, and, and other guys who mm-hmm. have been in and out of the ring in that company, you do get uh, the majority of the like the overwhelming opinion of the King of the Ring tournament was. You know what? That tournament is not necessarily a stepping stone to a world title. Right. Just like the Intercontinental title is not necessarily a stepping stone or a worker's title compared to the, or, you know, going towards mm-hmm. a world championship run. Sure. But more often than not, let's face it, that's how it played out. So that's where that argument comes in. I think Triple H in 97, quite honestly, I think he should have had shit a little more figured out than he did. Mm-hmm. 
even though he won the tournament that year. And you're right. For me, Booker T um, definitely has his shit together. He can definitely wrestle. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't have to figure shit out. And the thing is, too, you got to remember, Triple H also spent the past year digging himself out of a hole. Yeah, that too. You know, I mean... <laughs> so, I mean, it was it was not entirely his fault. I mean, it, there was things that, uh, you know, him being the, the lesser name, you know, he becomes the scapegoat. And, yeah. you know, he gets blamed for... We're referring to the Madison Square Garden incident, by the way. The curtain call. The curtain call, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he he did have to deal with that. That's the reason why he didn't win 96. For that and, and the reasons that we also talked about, absolutely, I mean, Booker T. Booker T is, is more, more established in 2006. Our next match, you have 2010's Sheamus taking on 2001's Edge. I'm not a fan of either one of these guys per se. Uh, I can't stand Edge. Okay. I, I know, I, you know, I know. There's people who swear by some of his, his runs and stuff. Uh, I, dude, I could just never, as a singles wrestler, I could never, I could never get into him. Now pairing him with Christian, mm-hmm. something completely different for sure. me. Sure. Okay. I, 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 uh, I definitely enjoyed the time uh, that those two were together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sheamus, for me, a lot of fucking potential. Yes. But I think, uh, for me, he's like the modern-day Hercules Hernandez. Okay. <laughs> Where he's just like, he's big, and, you know, he's 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 quite the brute, and he's got a lot of power, and he's capable of winning titles and whatnot. And he has, obviously, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There, there's something that ultimately doesn't sit well with me about Seamus. You know, we're at the, the point in his career, unfortunately, um, you know, speaking in current current day situations, mm-hmm. um, he's looking to possibly retire early because of concussions. Which so. happened earlier this year, in 2019. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. I, I agree with you for the most part with Edge single runs. There was, I, I'm not going to sit there and swear by him. But uh, I did enjoy some of the single runs, um, to a, to a smaller extent. But um, Sheamus is yeah, Sheamus is a guy that uh, you know he's brute strength. When he first came on the scene, I I really thought this guy was going to be something special, and I, and so I mean, people out there are going to say yeah he he was. I mean he's he's an established wrestler. He's He's a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at least a four-time world champion in WWE. But this makes me sick thinking about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, you know, he had tag team titles with Cesaro. Those guys teamed for like two years, it seemed at least, right? Two, three years. I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's had issues. I mean, he won the Royal Rumble. Obviously, came in the ring. Uh, you know, he's had issues though with his health. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just. The concussions, those other injuries that he's sustained throughout his career. Uh, so I again, I, I base this off of where they're at and in, in their career at that point. And and for Sheamus, when he won the the, the King of the Ring in in 2010, is a guy that's at that point was already a former WWE champion. Uh, he was already a guy that was 
you know, ready for the the big stage, you know, and where Edge in 2001 had just broken up with Christian. They'd just gone as their solo ways. And, you know, I think it was early, even early, up to earlier 2001 where he was still teaming with Christian. So, you have a tag team specialist that just turned a singles wrestler going to win the King of the Ring. I think he had to take in the IC title later that year. I think so. In, yeah. in a short reign. But then in 2002, goes back to tag team specialists, teams with Hulk Hogan eventually. They won the tag titles. You know, he's not quite... Ma- the, the, the edge that a lot of people are going to swear by, probably, doesn't exist yet. Okay. And for that, I have edge dropping to, to Sheamus. Wow. All right, I see your point. I see your point. Do you have you have Edge? Yeah, originally I did. Okay. Um, only because uh, my forty-year-old mind, uh, basically, you just answered my question. Okay. To, to myself, uh, I had my my years mixed up with Edge, so I'm 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 now going to say Edge uh, drops to Sheamus. Okay. But. Uh, again, I'm sorry, folks, for for either one of these guys. They just don't do it for me. And you know what? Speaking of Christian, too, when when they parted ways, Christian was another guy who I had very high hopes for. And like, no matter what he did, I just could not get into him completely as a singles competitor. It's unfortunate for a number of reasons for you know, what I'm about to say because Christian's a guy that just couldn't get couldn't do it as his own. But he goes to TNA, be, becomes a success. But my feeling of it was they took that name, that Christian name, and they ran as hard as they could with it because, hey, he used to wrestle for WWE. Yeah. Because, like, Christian getting over on AJ Styles, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> no. I mean, man. AJ Styles was like this goofy sidekick <laughs> for Christian. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah, it just... Bad booking. Christian, you know, he's not, he's just not a main eventer. It's just not who he is. And again, he's one of those that we, he was actually in the ring on the Raw reunion show. Oh, he was there. He was there. And it's like, I don't know that I would consider him a legend. Not a legend. You know? Not a legend. So. He's, I mean, he's more relevant than Jillian Hall. Uh, yeah, no, I, I get, I get <laughs> Or Tori Wilson. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, definitely not a legend. But he was in the ring. So, there you go. How about that? How about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, our next match involves a gentleman we see, seen earlier tonight. Um, he ended up buying the 24-7 title. Okay. One million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Taking, uh, from 1988, mind you. Okay. Taking on 1994's winner, Owen Hart. Mm. I'm gonna tell you right now, Owen Hart. Yeah, o- Owen gets my. my and, see, and, and it's a shame too because '88 Ted DiBiase was actually one of the more legit. In oh WWE. yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I'm, I mean, in WWE, I'm not talking like mid South days or something right, like that, right. where he was actually wrestling more. Um, you know, he was a he was a, he was a gimmick in WWE, guys. That, that's the problem with Ted DiBiase. You know him as a gimmick. I I, I implore you to go back. Oh, Watch his matches with Junkyard Dog. Oh, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Oh, man. 
all that shit is on uh, the WWE Network. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE Network. Yeah, most of you people know the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and that's it. That's it, yeah. You need to go back on the WWE Network, watch all the shit he did in Mid-South with the likes of Junkyard Dog, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Holy shit. You want to talk about great storylines, great wrestling. There you go. That's how he got his gig in WWE. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and this is, the, you know, 88, like I said, this is the more legit version. This is the same guy that almost ran the table at WrestleMania that year. That's right. To take the title. I mean, he was he only lost to Savage in the finals. Um, but 94, Owen Hart, I was actually just talking to you about this. <laughs> 94, Owen Hart, <laughs> first of all, he beats Bret Hart at WrestleMania that year. Right. Wins the King of the Ring tournament. And then... Goes one on one against Brett in a cage at SummerSlam, and I joked about it because that should have been the main event, which by the way was at the United Center. Yeah, uh, brand brand new at the time back in '94. Uh, Brian Lee is in your fucking main event of WrestleMania. If you don't know who that is, <laughs> there you go. He's your he's in your main event. It's like the fucking jobber from Raw. Uh, you know, Brian Lee as the Undertaker faces the Undertaker yeah. at SummerSlam. Not a cage match between Brett and Owen for the title. Again, bad booking. Woo. Bad booking by the company. Like I get it. Like it's it's a pretty, it's supposed to be a pretty compelling story, but I don't think that trumps or that should trump uh, heart versus heart. In a cage. In a cage. You know? For your, the top title. For your title, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that Undertaker versus Undertaker match couldn't happen at SummerSlam. It's right. not your main event. It's just not your main event. Um, anyways, Owen Hart was a 1994 show. That was like the first time he showed the WWE audience that he should be considered a world champion. Um, obviously never became that in WWE. Who knows if that would have ever exactly. happened. Um, but uh, 94 was 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 definitely a great year for Owen Hart. Definitely a great year. And, and easily, easily Ted DiBiase. As much as I love Million Dollar Man, or pre-Million Dollar Man, yeah. uh, Ted DiBiase, or excuse me, Owen Hart going to the quarterfinals. Excellent. Uh, moving on, we have Don the Rock Morocco, 1985's winner, taking on the following year, 1986's winner, Harley Race. Now, I'm an NWA guy. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. In in the 80s, um, I you know obviously listening to the first episode of this podcast. Mm-hmm. You will find out that I was a Hulkamaniac. Yes, you were. And, uh, but, I looked at, here's how I looked at at that roster. You had Hulk, Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. super fucking babyface. And then, for me, it was like, kind of like the, like the equivalent of Batman's rogues gallery. Okay. So you had Hulk Hogan, and then like all the other bad guys were just... Those were the lineup of bad guys that Hulk Hogan would eventually have to face. One after one after one after one. 
Uh, some of my favorite shit with Hulk Hogan was where he had to put up with the likes of King Kong Bundy and Don the Rock Morocco. Um, Saturday Night's main event, where uh, they broke his ribs. Mm-hmm. Uh, cl- classic fucking wrestling moment for me as a, as a child. Like, I was fucking physically upset. I'm hit, like half in tears yelling at the TV, like, how dare you do that to Hulk Hogan? Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed every minute of it. It was compelling television. Uh, so I have a lot of love for Don Morocco. But as, as as much as I respect and love Don Morocco, I am going to take Harley Race okay. in this one. Uh, strictly because uh, Harley <laughs> Harley's a legitimate tough guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where if they're wrestling together and Harley doesn't like something that Don Morocco's doing... He's not just going to tell Don Morocco that he doesn't like it. He's going to make him feel how much he doesn't like it. That was the kind of wrestler you got with Harley Race, even in the WWF. Right. Um, I know you don't. Uh, you know the the common fan wouldn't sit there and, and be able to pull pull those moments out of a hat necessarily. But uh, trust me, they are there. So uh, <laughs> yeah, my money. Uh, Harley Race. Take all my money. Don Morocco, 1985. You know, he, he did have that feud with Hulk Hogan. He, he did? He main-evented Madison Square Garden uh, multiple times in a row. I think you can catch at least two of them on the WWE Network. Sure. Um, has a great first half of the year. You know, wins the King Ring Tournament in, in July. But then afterwards... We see, we start to see like the Miami Vice skits, yeah, and all that stuff again. And, and they clearly didn't have anything for him. Uh, had the, had Don Morocco had a complete year, or at least closer to it, I would have more of an argument for you. But I don't. And and Harley Race, I'm. It's not like you have to sell me on Harley Race. Um, and, it, and the thing is, too, this is not, this is not even the best Harley Race either. This is yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, this, again, we're not talking NWA Harley Race. We're not talking no, we're not the multi the twelve time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. But you're still talking tough man, Harley tough man race. Harley Race, no doubt about that. Um, and for for that, with all due respect to both men, Harley Race for me, sweet. Goes goes to the quarterfinals. Uh, our last three matches of the first round are like, holy shit! So we're gonna begin with uh, <laughs> we're gonna begin with my fucking favorite person. There we go. So you have 1998's Ken Shamrock taking on again my favorite person. Can you can you hear the sarcasm in, yeah. in my voice? Yeah. 2002's Brock Lesnar. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put it to bed right now. <laughs> Brock Lesnar in 2002, through now, yeah, or ever, cannot hang with 1998 Ken Shamrock. I completely agree. Bar none. And, and, and you know we we kind of loosely had this conversation when we were introducing the brackets. I agree. I there's a lot of people out there who fucking absolutely love and adore Brock Lesnar, especially yeah. 2002's Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. 
Because, uh, let's face it... He made an impact. There's no doubt about he it. He did. He did make an impact. He, that's probably the most legit version of Brock Lesnar you'll ever see in the WWE, right. WWF. Mm-hmm. With, with, with all respect to that, you're absolutely right. There's no fucking way he handles legitimately a 1998 Ken Shamrock. Can't hang with him. Uh, you can't. There's no fucking way. He goes on to become NWA World Champ for TNA. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's putting in work. He's putting in a fucking goo-gob amount of work. Not just for this company, but but for, for the NWA TNA. Right. Uh, whereas Lesnar, the longer his career goes on, the less work he does. And and I wish I could say, like, oh, it's only a WWE or a wrestling thing. But let's face it, uh, him in the UFC or him in MMA in general, um, I don't care. I don't care what he says. I don't. I don't. I don't think he gave two shits. Right. If he did, I think he'd have a um, a different set of opponents. I think. I think he he had the stroke enough and the pull enough to be like, hey, I don't want to wrestle uh, a past his prime Frank Mir. I'm sorry, fight. Of, um, a past his prime Frank Mir, you know, I don't necessarily want to go up against a Randy Couture. Like, give me somebody more my own age, my own speed, something of that nature. Uh, and then, you know what? On top of that, if if he did go that way, I would have a little more respect for his uh, his MMA career. But right now, I, I mean, Ken Shamrock was a guy that I said so many times could never hang with Tito Ortiz because he was too old. But he fucking did it anyways. <laughs> he was out there to prove that he could do it, and he lost every single time. But he went in there ready to fucking go. Yeah. That's how it... And, and, and it's not like, you know, uh, especially the, the that uh, that first fight with Ortiz where it went three rounds. I mean, it's just... You could, you could see right there that Shamrock's days were over. I mean, we're also talking to a guy who's had 30-plus fights in MMA alone. That doesn't include, like, pancreas or stuff like that. Exactly. So, like, this, here's a guy that uh, he's, his, his days are behind him, and he's the one that says, you know what, I want younger talent. I don't want to keep fighting the same guys anymore. Yeah, I know in his 50s he's fought Hoyt Gracie and Kimball Slice and things of that nature, but, you know, when he was still trying to be a legit champion, it was give me the best that yeah. you have to offer. And if I lose, I lose. And some people don't like this. People thought that was foolish of him. Look, he probably has a few screws loose in his head. He's been fighting <laughs> almost his entire life. But he's you talk about tough guys. He's a legit tough That's guy. He's a legit tough guy. Um, Brock Lesnar is a guy that looks like a tough guy. And I'm look, if Brock was here right now, I would say the same things. And if he kicks my ass, kicks my ass. That's fine. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of, of, of guys like yeah. that. What my point is though too, I'm also not a 250 pound heavyweight, you know. So that just goes to show you what I mean. That I mean, if 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 it was Ken Shamrock in '98, Brock Lesnar's gonna be quiet. He ain't gonna <laughs> he ain't, he ain't gonna fucking fight Ken Shamrock. He's not he's not gonna know what to do with him. And certainly, even if Vince tells him to do it, Ken Shamrock's not the guy that's gonna just lay down for Brock Lesnar. Not without giving him his shots. So, for that, Brock Lesnar doesn't know how to handle a guy 
like Ken Shamrock. It is way too tough for him. And not only that, too, but 2002, you're talking about a very green Brock Lesnar. This is a guy that just graduated college two years prior. Right. You know, he was a uh, 2000 NCAA heavyweight champion. So he was in college. Now he's a pro wrestler because he's big and all that shit. And he's endorsed by Paul Heyman. That's cool. Ken Shamrock's been fighting in 1998. At that point, professionally been fighting for five years. So Ken Shamrock all day. Same guy that was hanging with the likes of The Rock. Had a great rivalry with him. Um, you know, the guy that's going to be you know one of the biggest names in pro wrestling. So sure. it's like... This is a guy that legit could have been, should have been a world champion in WWE. And it's only because of him that he's not. But the same year that Brock Lesnar, by the way, makes his debut in WWE, Ken Shamrock is running around with the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. So... I mean, I don't know how many more things we got to do to let you know. <laughs> and, and, and for me, I want everybody out there to know, I base my things not off of how, how I feel about somebody. I hate Brock Lesnar. But I legit put this in perspective. If you really think about it, Brock Lesnar can't fucking hang with Ken Shamrock. Yeah. He's too, especially if you go by the years, 2002, 98. He is too green. He doesn't know what he's doing in that ring. He has one job, one job only. And that is to manhandle people. Guys who are smaller than him. Mm-hmm. That's it. What happens with a guy that is, you know, he's bigger than Ken Shamrock in stature, but a guy that can do the same to him. Mm-hmm. He can't do it. No. He just can't do mm-hmm. it. Brock Lesnar doesn't have a chance. So Ken Shamrock going to the quarterfinals. Told you he was going to be out of the tournament. <laughs> you know, I... For those for those of you who think we're picking on Brock Lesnar, please get a hold of us later in the show. I'll throw you out our social media info in case you don't know it already. And uh, by all means, come talk to us. Yeah, come talk to us. Uh, our next match, fucking love this one. 2008's William Regal oh, okay. taking on 2000's Kurt Angle. Now, there's one thing you know we talk about years and yeah. versions of people right. and, and all of that and yeah that there's some importance to that mm-hmm. I think this match transcends that I don't think years play a part in this in this match for the simple fact that both of these guys know how to actually wrestle and putting them against each other in that ring you're talking about like pure wrestling heaven or the equivalent thereof. For me, anyway. Like, there's no doubt about it. You're getting the best of the best when it comes to actual pure pro wrestling. So, when it comes to pure wrestling, I'm going to ask everybody out there, what is the number one thing, the most important thing to have? You know, you might say... Good technical wrestling ability, that's important. Very sure. important. Strength is important, yeah. Sure, yeah. Absolutely. But none of it, nothing is going to compare to, uh, to this one word I'm about to say. And for this one word, William Regal has had it from the day he started, all the way back in the, you know, in the 80s, 
to when he retired. Stamina. Anytime that you, you know, if you, anyone that's ever wrestled in high school, one thing that everyone's going to say that they, they hate fucking doing at this point is running. <laughs> that's all you fucking do is run, 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 run. 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 You fucking run. On a three-hour fucking practice, you run for about two hours a lot of times. It is just fucking running. Why? I was running. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you run? Because the last thing you want to do when you're chain wrestling somebody is run, catch your breath. Yeah, run out of gas. You don't want to run out of gas, man. You're, you're, you're pretty much next. Because when you run out of gas, the next thing you're going to do is you're going to be looking up as somebody on top of you. Yep. That's how it goes. Yes, William Regal is older than Kurt Angle. Yes, this is a older William Regal compared to a very young Kurt Angle. Still in his 30s, I believe, Kurt Angle. Uh-huh. Um, early 30s. And uh, I get that. I, I get that. But William Regal has stamina for days. He can flat out go. I've seen this guy. I remember when I first saw him in WWE, he seemed a little flabby. He just seemed like, I don't know, just kind of out of shape. He can go all day long. All day long. And he's just, you know who he reminds me of. You know, he's you know the guy who I call the Hoist Gracie of pro wrestling today. He reminds me of a ZSJ. There's nothing flashy about what he's going to do in that ring, but he's going to pick you apart. He's going to make you hurt. He's like, he's like if Stu Hart did did the the submission holds uh-huh. in an actual wrestling ring, <laughs> and just he's going to break you. He will, and that's how it's going to be. And let's not let's not forget, you know, Kurt Angle always had the ultimate weakness in his neck. And and yeah. you know no matter what part of Kurt Angle, what where you know what year you're talking about Kurt Angle, he had a, an injured neck yeah. that had never fully healed. He uh, didn't really allow it to. No, he didn't. <laughs> so can William Regal hang with Kurt Angle? Absolutely. Yeah. And he could pick apart that neck, no doubt about that. And as, as a matter of fact, one of his finishing, one of his submission moves, he does. Actually twitches out, you know, pulls out of the neck. So, yep. it's possible. Kurt Angle in 2000, though, was out of this world. Um, I mean, I, I, we've talked about it before, 2006 Kurt Angle, and just the, the intensity that that man had. <laughs> uh, 2000 Kurt Angle, I mean, what a year he had. I mean, it was his, in his first full year of WWE European, Intercontinental, and Heavyweight title, as well as King of the Ring. Yeah. I mean, just... Can't ask for a better fucking year, Can't man. ask for a better fucking year. He took, he took, the, pro, he took the professional wrestling like uh, a fish to water. It, mm. was, it was just nuts. It was nuts to see him make such a seamless transition. You know, it's, it's almost like you can toss around that, that name natural to Kurt Angle because that's what he was in that ring. Sure, yeah. Um... For me, like I said, William Rio can hang, and this would be one hell of a fantasy match. But uh, I, I, I gotta go with Kurt Angle still. Really? Yeah. No shit. I, I gotta go with Kurt Angle still. I, I, I just we talk about stamina. Kurt Angle's got the stamina too. He has more of the strength. He has the submission abilities as well. Um, 
great technical wrestling. It's a toss up for me. It's it's not it's not really black and white. It's a toss up, but uh, I I still I still go Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle over William Regal is my is my pick. Um, just because I just feel he has one too many weapons, and uh, even though this is not even Kurt Angle at his best per se, to be fair, it's not William Regal's at his best either in two thousand eight. And and you know what, you're as far as that goes, you're right. You you sold me on it uh, because let's face it, this is OA William Regal. Mm-hmm. He's 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 uh, he's in the downturn of his career. I mean, he spent. I mean, he actually technically won it as general manager. Yeah. Raw, so he wasn't even a full time wrestler. Exactly. Um, and then you have Kurt Angle, who who is look just started professional wrestling, mm-hmm. but he's so good at it, and he has quite quite a few years of success to come at this point so yeah he's definitely on the upswing and the and the very uh god i hate saying this but like the infancy yeah. of his career yeah so kurt angle will move on to the quarterfinals i just want to point out too i'm, I'm looking at championships and accomplishments for william Rigo. i know championships don't mean everything to 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 every wrestler you know roddy piper is one of them mm-hmm. you know uh, Kurt Henning, another one. Mm-hmm. It just it, it it always just irks me that like guy like William Regal, never world champion anywhere he went. Um, I know. One of the best. Where he's a guy that if I if I'm if I had my company and I'm and I'm booking, and he's you know he's a guy like William Regal, or if we go back in time when William Regal is is around as an active wrestler. I'm I'm definitely reaching out to him, and I want him on my roster. I mean, he's just that good. But anyway, it doesn't matter at this point. He's he's had his success, and he's definitely well respected. So. Absolutely. Our final match of the first round is uh, purposely left for last. 1991 and 93's winner, but we're going to use 91 here. Bret the Hitman Hart taking on 1996 infamous winner. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. How about that? How about that? Fuck. Um, I'll tell you what. Stone Cold Steve Austin, a guy, great technical wrestler. Mm -hmm. He gets this big break, and it's because of, oh no, an organic promo. (gasps) That's like a bad word in that fucking uh, (laughs) company now. But uh, Can't do that. Can't do that got to be ran by 45 different people first. Uh, so yeah, he cuts the organic... He's so devious. <laughs> he cuts the organic promo uh, giving birth to Austin 316 and the rest is history. But uh, in the way of professional wrestling, always a great technical wrestler, even when he was in WCW. This is, you know, this is before... Yeah, th- right? This is before their match at WrestleMania? Yeah, this yeah, is this, this is a few months before. Okay, so this is a few months before their match at WrestleMania, uh, which but, was never even supposed to happen, by the way. Yeah, right. It, it, fuck. None of it was supposed to happen. And then Bret Hart didn't want to do it. Well, again. And then you have 1991's Bret Hart again, the excellence of execution, mm-hmm. and again, he's one of those guys. Great fucking wrestler, great pro wrestler. Yeah. Never mind the fucking gimmick, you know. Even like later on, when he became like the fucking ultimate, the the penultimate hatred, uh, 
of uh, of of America. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, I th- I think from uh, from my money, Bret Hart kind of did it ass backwards almost, where like he started off as a really good wrestler, and then somehow finally like gained another layer to his persona mm-hmm. and that took him a, a, a great while longer in his career whereas most guys like they have to have both or, or more more talk than actual wrestling to, to get over right um, this this one's fucking tough for me man I will say this 1990 if you if you would we would have gone with 1993 Bret Hart Bret Hart wins hands down okay because Bret Hart, at that point, is such an established wrestler. This is a guy, that, at this point, would have won two King of the Rings. But, uh, you know, also world champion. You're right, you know, yeah. The main event he had against uh, Bulldog in 92 at SummerSlam. One of the best matches in SummerSlam history. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, this guy's big match at the big match at the big match. 1991... He's teetering. He's teetering. He's right there. <laughs> He's right there, I mean, yeah. he, he had... I mean, when he... so. Uh, King of the Ring 1991 took place um, that tournament took place in September of 91 right so what uh, th- he had already had with for probably if I if you were to go back probably in 1991's match of the year with Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam that at year. SummerSlam yeah um, hell of a fucking match so he already had that you know but this is you know he, he's a guy that's in, going into 91 he was still a tag team specialist the Hart Foundation still existed. So he's still like at that point where he's trying to get on his own. Same thing. Well, not that Stone Cold was, was a tag team specialist, but he's still at that brink. Yeah, you still have him teetering because mm-hmm. he's not... Like, he's just starting to become Stone Cold. He needs that one thing. Yeah. And the King of the Ring was that one thing that got him over. Um, it, was, it was winning the tournament... But then, of course, cutting that infamous promo now. Uh, yeah, this one this one is, is definitely probably the toughest one in the first round. Um, it's interesting, too, because Stone Cold, we, we would come very close to not even doing this. This could have been Triple H versus Bret Hart. You're right. Uh, you know, one of those what-ifs kind of situations. Uh, right place, right time. But if you really think about it, and I know hindsight's always twenty twenty, but if you really think about it, Stone Cold was, in my opinion, in ninety six, the better guy to go with anyways. Because even before he cut that promo, there was that that sparky. I mean he's here's a guy that was covered in gasoline at this point, ready to be <laughs> set on fire. Uh and, and he just needed that spark. And that's and again he got it at King of the Ring that year. Um God, it's fucking tough. I tell you what, for my money, and now that we've sat and discussed it, mm-hmm. um, I think it all boils down to attitude. Okay. I think it all boils down to attitude, and knowing what we know about Bret Hart, I'm going to give the win to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because Stone Cold Steve Austin, more of a team player, knows what he wants to accomplish with with himself and his persona in the ring. Whereas Bret Hart was, he had already had it set in his mind. Like, hey, I know I'm I'm supposed to be this damn good, but I should have this, I should have this. And 
if you listen to all the shoot interviews, you do get he does come across as kind of a dick. Yeah. So. Uh, I've, yeah. I've always wondered if uh, going back to '94 Owen Hart, if if Brett would have ever played if if Brett politics to make sure that he kept that title because it's just the way that he why talk- why wouldn't he yeah it's it's Bret Hart yeah. why wouldn't he yeah. tell me tell me tell me different anybody it, tell me different and it, it, it's it's hard to, it's it's hard to believe that because Bret Hart like like so many like when I when I started watching wrestling you know and I started going watching more archive stuff WrestleMania was the first thing I fell in love with Bret Hart who doesn't <laughs> you know who doesn't <laughs> And it's just, and then to hear the narcissist that he is, yeah, it's it's almost like did he did he squish Owen, you know, his chances of becoming world champion? Did he put actually put him in that corner? Was there a legit stuff to what Owen was saying? I know that it's you know it's pro wrestling and there's kayfabe, but, but well, it, but. there's also sibling rivalry, sure, you know, and but you add that narcissistic level to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For my money, yes. Bret Hart squishes his own brother. That's tough, man. That's tough. Now, well, I, you, know, I you, know what, you know what's even tougher about this is, if you listen to enough shit out there, you do hear him say that he politicked for them two to go at it. So, like, what, what kind of a... Like... He's like a sadist almost. Like, yeah. let's uh, let me politic for you so that you can face me, because I think you're the best. But I also think you're not better than me. Mm-hmm. Let me keep that title. Right? How fucked up is that? Yeah. So my money, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. I mean, if, if you if you are based off of attitude, which I think is a, is a is a great way to do it, since there's so many similarities. Again, this is pre. Broken neck, true. Yeah, Stone yeah. Cold too. So he's still a technical wrestler. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and and he's about to to give Brett the business at WrestleMania. Even though he loses that match, he's about to give him the business at yeah. WrestleMania. And um, yeah, I mean, it's if you go to the attitude and and who's even hungry at this point? Stone Cold needed this win. He needed. I need it. it. <laughs> needed it, and uh, <laughs> he got it. And and for my money, I I, I agree. You sold me for sure because it was tough. It was a toss up, but uh, I I go I go Stone Cold out of the first round. Ladies and gentlemen, we have all of our first round winners. Moving on to the the next round in our King of Kings tournament. Um, you want do you want to keep? Keep with the theme of randomization and run these winners through a randomizer for the next round. Yeah, it's fine. Here we go. Yeah. You ready? Let's do it. Run them through the randomizer. Our next round. The number seven seed, Ken Shamrock, will be taking on the number five seed, Kurt Angle. (laughs) God damn. The number four seed. Harley Race will now be taking on the number two seed, Edge. The, Shouldn't it be Sheamus? I'm sorry, Sheamus. <laughs> <laughs> the number three seed, 
Owen Hart will now be taking on the number one seed, Booker T. Interesting, okay. And finally, the number eight seed, Randy the Macho Man Savage, will now be taking on the number six seed, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our second round set for our first annual King of the Ring, uh, King of Kings, King of the Ring tournament. Uh, <laughs> this has been great. I fucking I fucking love yeah, doing this. Uh, normally, again, folks, this would be um, exclusively on our YouTube channel, but uh, we want you brand new subscribers over there at Podcoin. Thanks again, guys. Uh, we want you to hear what we do and what we do best on this podcast. So uh, you're going to get the entire tournament as as part of uh, the the Podcoin experience. And again, if you if you're not uh, hooked up on Podcoin yet, please go download the app. It's free. It's available for Android and iOS. Mm-hmm. Use the promo code twenty x twenty pod to get you a couple of hundred free Podcoins to start. Can't ask for anything better. And you get paid. You get paid to listen to us, your 20 by 20 ring crew. That's going to do it for the show for this week. Um, any last thoughts? Anything you want to add? Yeah. Uh, don't watch Raw Reunion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't watch Raw Reunion sober. Make it a drinking game. Yeah. Nah, don't do that. You'll be no, we want, alcohol we, poisoning by the we, end of it. We want you to come back yeah. next week. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, uh, don't watch Raw Reunion. It was horrible. Um, please listen to more of us. Yes. En- enjoy our fantasy booking. Please uh, interact with us. Yes. Facebook.com slash groups slash 20x20talk. Come and talk to Matt and I about our King of Kings tournament that we're handling right now. Uh, Facebook.com slash 20x20crew is our official Facebook page. If you want to hate tweet us about Brock Lesnar and how much you are up his ass, you can do that over at Twitter.com slash 20x20crew. You want to provide photos of you kissing Brock Lesnar because you're such a fanboy, you can do that over at Instagram.com slash 20x20crew. <laughs> Although I don't look forward to seeing any of those. Ah, uh, well, um, they exist. <laughs> email us for the time being at 20x20crew at gmail.com. Uh, again, we previously mentioned that uh, we are on YouTube where we hold the following contest, which is our exclusive fantasy bookings over on YouTube for YouTube. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash YouTube will get you there. And, uh, of course, our home on the web, 20x20crew.com, where you will, you will find merch, all of our past episodes, and anything and everything that is your 20 by 20 ring crew. I have been Joe. My brain has been fried by this conundrum of a fucking reunion. <laughs> uh, and then, to my left, he has been Matt. Ladies and gentlemen... You have been fucking fantastic. I'm doing it this week. All right. And until next time, (laughs) we will see see you in the ring. ring.